The following audio is from the King's Chapel. You can find out more about our church at thekingschapel.org. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for, uh, for joining us on this December 26th. It's, it's great to be with you this morning. And uh, something I reported on this, this morning in the first service, and I'll, I'll say again, it's just a big answer to prayer. Uh, our church and a number of other churches I know all over have been praying for uh, some missionaries in Haiti. If you heard the news or were following that at all, there were missionaries that were taken captive in Haiti by a gang and, and held hostage for a number of weeks. And just a couple of days ago, actually, the last of those hostages escaped and is safe now. They all are safe and well, and uh, those missionaries are free, and that's something we've been praying for. And so we praise God for that. And the way in which it... it uh, happened is pretty uh, remarkable too. They were seeking the Lord. These are our men, women, and children seeking the Lord, and they sensed the leading of the Holy Spirit that they were not to wait for some ransom to be paid or wait for some rescue, but they were to escape. A pretty fearful, frightening prospect. And so for several days, they, they were seeking the Lord and asking, Lord, is it, is it now? Is now the time? And at some point, I don't know how, I don't, I don't understand exactly how people... Uh, how everyone else hears the voice of the Lord, but they, they all discerned together and agreed that it was time to go. And so under the cover of darkness, following the stars with children in tow, they, they walked 10 miles through the jungles of Haiti to escape to, to freedom. And it's pretty remarkable, pretty amazing. And so we just collectively thank God for answering that prayer. And, and it reminded me as I was reading their story, just, just this little piece of it, uh, of, of Christmas in that as they're walking in the darkness, they're following the stars, they're looking up to the heavens to lead them to freedom. And, and that's something we see in the Christmas story is these people that are drawn to this manger scene, the, the birth of the incarnate God of the universe, drawn there by stars, led to freedom, led to peace. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas is a, a wonderful time of year. Uh, who here really likes Christmas? Anyone make some noise if you like it a lot? Yeah, okay, yeah, it's good. It's a season of joy, but it's also a season that can be really difficult uh, for some, especially those that are, are missing loved ones, that are mourning losses, that are, are you know, considering that, that empty chair around their table. And so it can be a really difficult season. But I think for whether you rejoice every time Christmas rolls around or, or the longer you live, whether there's a, a tinge of sorrow to the remembrances this time of year, I think all of us can rejoice in this one thing, that Jesus has come. That the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, looked upon our darkness, looked upon our brokenness, looked upon this world and, and us as humans and came to live with us, to abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to consider, and it gives all of us hope and peace and joy despite our feelings this season. Uh, my feelings on Christmas have changed a lot over the years. As I've become a father myself, I now have four children. And I can tell you that uh, my perception of how the Christmas story played out is quite different now having experienced uh, birth, first person, okay? Well, no, second person, I guess, would be a more fair way to say that. <laughs> but as a kid, and maybe you can identify with this, I would sit in the Christmas Eve services, maybe here at church or at other places, and just be caught up in the wonder of it as we sing silent night, holy night. Or consider, oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. This, this night of peace and tranquility and calm. And, and I don't think that many uh, uh, who wrote those songs took time to consider just how not silent and how not peaceful birth can be, right? 
You know, we sing, away in a manger, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Why? Why? To cry as a baby, does that, is that an indication of sin or hunger? I don't know. But uh, I think those lyrics are sweet, but I think they, they maybe uh, misrepresent what this was actually like. Uh, if, if any of you have ever been around a labor and delivery ward, it can be uh, quite different from that. And I have my own experiences. I can remember when my, my son was born, my second born, uh, I'm holding him in my arms. Everything is wonderful and beautiful. I'm looking at this precious little boy in my hands. And uh, in the background, suddenly there's tension, chaos, nurses scrambling around, a doctor uh, sounding more and more tense but professional as they're dealing with and, and uh, helping my wife to recover from giving birth. And they wheel her out of the room. They, they take her down the hallway out of my sight. And I'm left sitting there with this newborn boy looking up at, at me for 10 minutes everyone's gone. 20 minutes, no one comes in and checks on me. 30 minutes, hour. I'm there for two hours by myself with my little boy until the cleaning crew comes in. And they walk in and they're like, whoa, sorry, what did you do? <laughs> we didn't mean to interrupt. And I can just remember that the overwhelming feeling as fear washed over me uh, of, is my wife okay? Is she going to make it? Am I going to be a single dad at the end of all of this? And, uh, and I can just remember sitting there in that chair, looking at my boy and wondering, being full of fear on the one hand and then prayer, fear and prayer back and forth. Obviously, my, my baby is fine now, and we praise God for that. Beth is, is doing well and recovering well, and we, we were able to get to the recovery room pretty soon after that. But, but it's an illustration to me of how dicey this whole process can be and how difficult it really is. When we consider the manger scene, it's such a beautiful picture, and yet I would, I would wager that this was no silent night, that this, this was not a, a place of, of perfect peace. As this couple comes into Bethlehem, the home of Joseph's ancestors, the city is packed swelling with travelers who had been brought home from all over the region to be counted and to be taxed, and they would arrive and find the city not sitting silently in the hills, but full of people, full of activity, stressed out people, looking for a place to stay, somewhat. And now, as night falls and the air begins to grow cold, there's nowhere for them to stay. Mary, at this point, is nine months pregnant, and her young husband, Joseph, has been walking with her and traveling with Mary now for 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, I get exhausted and cranky after about a three-hour trip in the car. Imagine 90 miles on foot or on a donkey, either way, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They arrive in town, and no doubt they're exhausted, they're worn out, they're ready for a break. They see the town in the distance, and they sense some relief, and yet there's a problem. As they've been traveling over the last several miles, Mary has begun to have contractions. At first mild, at first just a tightening of, of her, her abdomen, and then they become more and more intense, more and more frequent. And now, as they get closer and closer together, as these contractions become more and more intense, and they arrive in town, perhaps Mary feels a wave of nausea come over her. The contractions start to become unbearable, and, and Mary is crying through each one, and she looks at Joseph with wide eyes and says, Joseph, the baby is coming. Now, I just want us to be imaginative for a minute and put yourself in either one of their shoes 
And think about the intensity of this moment. Joseph is probably no stranger to birth in some sense. He's been around farm animals and and, and many kinds of things. I'm sure he's been part of birth a few times, but never like this. Never his wife, his young bride, and as she contracts again and lets out a cry, I think suddenly strong Joseph would be completely overwhelmed. And so desperately, They go knocking on every door asking for help and for shelter, but nobody will help them. Nobody will take them in. The city is too full. There's too much going on, and who wants to bother with this young couple and their labor? Then in desperation, not knowing what else to do, we know that Joseph and Mary, it says they find a a stable, a corner in a stable, pushing aside the animals, maybe laying down a tunic over the hay, and, and Mary lays down to finally give birth to this baby as the baby's arriving. I just want you to consider the scene in its reality. No doctor, no heart rate monitors, no birth plan, no iPod with your special songs, no, no Lamaze class, none of that. No clean water, just two young people, a teenage bride and her young husband doing their best in brutal circumstances to deliver a baby safely. And so I don't know how long it took. I don't know if it was minutes or hours. We don't know. But just as the pain of delivery was at its absolute worst, one final push, silence for a moment. And then the tiny voice of a baby crying. It's a boy. His name is Jesus. Joseph, and now if he's anything like me, his eyes would be full of tears full of deep relief and joy as he welcomes this little boy. And then as he wipes the baby clean to the best of his ability and lays it on the chest of Mary and they meet for the first time, the crying stops and the baby is at least for a moment at peace. And I could just picture them looking at this precious newborn child, taking in every detail and yet wondering that this is the Son of God that God Almighty would, would come in such a vulnerable form, in such a vulnerable state, into such a brutal place, to be born to them as parents. And I'm sure they just marveled. Here, in their arms, lay the Savior of the world. What do you think that felt like? Overwhelming? Maybe a, a little bit full of fear? Any uh, new parents will tell you that as soon as that baby's born, all the fear goes away, Right? Right, like you don't have anything to worry about. No, <laughs> no, wrong. Someone back there said no. It was <laughs> a little child. And uh, no, in fact, all kinds of new fears flood in. How will I keep this baby warm? Is he breathing okay? Will he eat? How will we keep him alive and safe? There's so much to consider, and it can become completely overwhelming as they meet this baby for the very first time. And add to that, consider that this is no ordinary child. This is the Son of God that they have been tasked with raising, the incarnate Son of God. Practically speaking, there's a lot to fear, isn't there? Like as parents, uh, you, you fear that day when your child gets their learner's permit and you put keys in their hands, right? Imagine the fear of raising the Son of God that must have overcome Mary and Joseph. A lot to fear. All these circumstances, all these angelic encounters that lead up to this, all the pressures of, on a fragile, brand new marriage. New marriage is no joke. A long journey to a crowded town, no place to stay, the coming of a baby, all these circumstances are 
in the natural, full of reason to fear. And as we consider Christmas, I think we often get caught up in the joy and the hope of it, and that's wonderful, and I, and I love that. But I think we sometimes miss how often in the Christmas story, as we read these passages, how much people are confronted with fear, how afraid so many of these, these people are, and with good reason. And yet, as they're brought to this place of fear, they're then quickly brought to peace as they do one thing, one simple thing. Behold. Behold. Behold what? The big idea this morning is really simple. It's this. Our fears flee as we behold Jesus Christ and what he's done. Our fears flee as we behold Jesus and what he's done. And what I'm going to do is really simple. I'm going to read three of the most famous Christmas passages, and I'm not going to comment on them much as we go, but rather I just want you to notice three things in each one of these passages. Number one, notice the emotions that are being felt by the different people in these passages. Notice, number two, the encouragement that is given. And number three, the effect of that encouragement. Notice the emotions, the encouragement, and the effect. Can you do that with me? Yeah? Can you do that? Okay. Can you track in these passages? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 33. An angel comes to Mary. This is the, the very famous encounter with Mary that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But, listen to this, she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Notice the emotion. What did Mary feel? Not rhetorical. What did Mary feel? Afraid? Fear? Troubled? Yeah. It says she was greatly troubled. The angel says to not be afraid, indicating that she is afraid. So the emotion is, is fear, troubled, anxious, afraid. And the encouragement of the angel is don't be afraid, fear not, behold, you will have a son and his name is Jesus, and he will be king. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And the effect of that encouragement, notice this, as she beholds, she trusts. And as she trusts, she's at peace. Next, an angel comes to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. It says, now the birth of Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, that's Jesus' mother Mary, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, 
The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Notice the emotion. Joseph is troubled. The angel tells him to not be afraid to marry Mary. In the encouragement, he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, to raise her son. Call him Jesus. Don't be afraid. The Son of God, Emmanuel, is coming to live with you. And notice the effect. As Joseph beholds this, as he beholds what God is doing, and that he will be the adopted father to Jesus, he is at peace. He trusts. And despite all the pressures that would be on him from his community, all the, the, the difficulty from being married to this woman who's already pregnant, all of this, all the complications from that, all the fear of raising a child who, who isn't actually his, as he beholds the promises of God, he steps forward in faith. He trusts, he obeys. Lastly, the angel comes to some shepherds. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth among those with whom he is pleased. I just love picturing this, that God sent an army to the birth of his son. A host of angels glorifying and worshiping. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known, known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Again, we see the third time angels appear. What's the response to the angelic appearance? Fear. Thank you. Thank you. Fear, a response of fear. We see an encouragement to behold the Christ. And then we, we see a response of peace and trust and obedience as they go to worship. Christmas is a season of joy, absolutely. It's a season of hope, it's a season of peace, but it's also a season to consider fear, to consider fear. I want you to notice every time in the New Testament, as I've studied angels and looked into all these different passages, when people knowingly come into the presence of an angel, the response is always the same. It's just like Mary, fear troubled. Every time. There's something about angels that is, is very, very overwhelming, a response of fear. And um, this is something that, that my, my daughter, my six-year-old, pointed out to me with our Christmas program where all the cute children and all the little girls came out in their angel garb. She said, Daddy, why are the angels always played by little, the little girls? And I had no good answer for her. I'm like, because you look precious. Apparently not anything like an angel, right? Angels are powerful. They're, they're, they're these created spirit beings that, that are eternal and exist for a purpose, to serve God. 
They're, they're like us in some ways, but very unlike us in other ways. They are powerful. They, when they appear, they seem to be completely intimidating and overwhelming. They are nothing like Clarence and It's, it's a Wonderful Life. That's not what they're like. They're not uh, these little angelic six-year-olds with harps and wings. No, angels are powerful, eternal, created spirit beings that serve God by worshiping him, fulfilling his plans, executing his judgments, delivering his messages, and ministering to believers, which is pretty amazing. These are God's captains. These are God's warriors. These are powerful, powerful creatures. And so every time we see someone come into their presence in the New Testament, particularly in these Christmas passages, we see this response from Mary, the same thing, overwhelmed, full of fear, alarmed. Joseph, overwhelmed and afraid, even in a dream. The shepherds, afraid. Did Mary have reason to fear? Yes, not just because an angel was in her presence, but because of what that angel said to her. She had every reason to fear. Mary, in all likelihood, was, was just a teenager looking forward to her wedding day in a very humble estate growing up in Nazareth, and she's been told that she is going to raise the Son of God, that she is going to be pregnant before she's married, that, that all kinds of, of things are going to happen in her life that are pretty overwhelming. And so the natural response of Mary would be to be afraid. She has every reason to fear, and yet, in the end, when she beholds what Jesus means. And this message that she's been given, she essentially says this, Father, have your way in my life. Let it be unto me as you've said. Did Joseph have reason to fear? Yes. Yes, Joseph was given a a monumental task of being Mary's husband and raising the very Son of God, and yet he sticks with Mary, he obeys God's word, and he stays steadfast in what he's called to do. And the shepherds, when they're surrounded by an army of angels filling the sky, they have reason to be afraid. Absolutely. Reason to be afraid. And yet, I want you to notice this one important thing. All are afraid, and yet as they behold, their fear disappears. And so I just want us to meditate on this, to consider this morning, are you afraid? Have you been fearful? Have you been overwhelmed? Our circumstances feel out of control. I think a lot of us are feeling overwhelmed and fearful about circumstances and outcomes that are completely out of control. And the natural response to that is to be distressed. Maybe you feel helpless about another round of of, a virus ripping through our country. And maybe it's the deterioration of the nation that you grew up in as you see it. Maybe that's caused you fear. Maybe it's, it's uncertainty, uncertainty about your job or your income or, or how you're going to, to provide for your family. And maybe that's causing you to be afraid. Maybe you feel helpless and fearful about the division and strife that you see all around you from people in your life that used to be friends, from people in your family that used to be close and aren't anymore, and you just feel helpless. Maybe it's the rejection of other people. Like you really want to please other people. You really want to be both known and loved by other people, but you have this overwhelming fear that if people knew you, they wouldn't love you. And it's a crippling fear. I think when when we allow fear of this kind to come into our life, the, the effect of it is that it either paralyzes us and causes us to be unable to move or it polarizes us and causes us to hold others at a distance. There's a lot to be afraid of. Maybe it's death. And that overwhelming notion of eternity out in front of us can be a pretty fearful thing. You say, Mark, 
I agree. There's a lot of reasons to be afraid. As we've gone through the book of Acts, we've seen that, that the Apostle Paul and others like him, as Christians doing their best to follow God faithfully, suffered imprisonment, beatings, shipwrecks, false accusations, trials, and eventually death. They had every reason to be afraid. And yet, what we saw in passage after passage is that as they fixed their eyes on Jesus and the mission he had given them, they were able to overcome. There is something that happens when we take our eyes off of what we fear and set them on Jesus that changes everything. I've heard this said, and maybe you would consider this and think about this, that the emotions of deep gratitude and anxiety can't coexist. Like it's impossible to feel deeply grateful and anxious at the exact same moment. Try it. Try it. Those two things don't go together. And I think in the same way, when we come in the presence of, of a God who is fearful in his power, when we, when we consider God and set our eyes on him, there's no room for fear of other things in our hearts anymore. Our fear of man, our fear of disease, our fear of the enemy, our fear for our nation, our fear for our lives, all those fears fade as we rightly behold the King of Kings. I love the old song, Turn Your Eyes, eyes Upon Jesus. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Why? Why does looking to Jesus, why does beholding Jesus do anything? I, I want you to, to see this. Mary's fear turned to faith as she was told that Jesus was king, son of the most high, that of his kingdom there would be no end. Beholding Christ and considering what he has done and who he is reminds us that Jesus is on the throne and that his kingdom will never end. Do you know that as this world, as our nation, as your family feel completely overwhelming, full of fear, that Jesus Christ is still on the throne, that he is king, that he will reign forevermore, that his kingdom is not shaky, it's not insecure, it is steadfast, it will endure forever, that Jesus is coming back and he will rule and reign for eternity. Jesus is king. Fear not. Behold, Jesus is still king. Joseph's fear turned to faith as he was told to behold that Jesus is Emmanuel, that Jesus is God with us. The birth of Christ, the incarnation, changes everything because it means that God desires to dwell with us to abide with us, to be with us. And Jesus promised his disciples, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that promise is still true for you. For believers in Jesus, the spirit of God abides within you. God is with you right now. Joseph's fear turned to faith as he considered that God would be with him. That raising Jesus would not be his task. That God was with him. And you need to know that right now. That Jesus came to identify with you in your weakness. If you're feeling vulnerable, if you're feeling uh, weak and broken and undone for the believer, Jesus Christ is with you right now by his spirit. God with us. Fear not. Behold. Jesus is with you. Lastly, the shepherds, their fear turned to faith as they realized that Jesus had come not in judgment, but as a savior. A savior for all people, even for them. Jesus had come to bring salvation, 
to bring forgiveness of sins. Jesus came so that by believing in him, you can receive his righteousness. You can receive salvation. You can receive forgiveness of sins. And it's such a wonder that Jesus came to these these scruffy shepherds in the hills of Bethlehem who, by all counts, would not have considered themselves worthy of any honor. Who would, in all likelihood, if they're anything like me or like you, would have known how far short they fall from the glory of God. How needy they are. And yet, what the angel tells them to behold is that unto us is born a savior for all people. They receive this amazing message to fear not, to behold that Jesus has come to forgive. And he has come to forgive you. And he has come to rescue you. Fear not. Behold question that I want to leave you with this morning as we exit 2021 and enter into 2022 is simply this. What are you beholding? What are you beholding? What are you setting your mind, your attention, your thoughts on? Or who? What are you dwelling on this Christmas? What will you behold in the new year? I think the answer to our fear, the answer when life is overwhelming, is to behold Jesus, to behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, to behold that he is with us, to behold that he is king, and to behold that he will remain with us to the end of the age. Are you full of fear this morning? I would consider what have you been beholding? And I would encourage you to turn to God's word, to turn to the gospel, to turn to your Lord Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Behold him. And your fear will leave. Behold, fear not. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Fear not. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day a Savior in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would behold you as you are, Lord, that we would behold that you are King of kings, that you have come to be with us, and that you have forgiven our sin. Lord, if we would behold that, I believe that, that if we would just behold you and fear you alone, that all these other things would cease to overwhelm us. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know that, that you came for them on a rescue mission to save them, that they would recognize and grasp that this morning. God, we thank you that you looked upon this world and you did not leave us in our darkness and brokenness, but you sent your very son to dwell with us, to abide with us, to teach us how to live, to die for us, Lord. And we thank you that you didn't stay in that grave, but that you rose again in victory over sin and death. Lord, we thank you for that. And in that we hope, and in that we anchor our trust, and in that we have no fear, because in you, we have victory. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We pray your blessing upon this church as we enter into the next year. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song, and I would just invite you to to stand when you're ready, and it's going to be a song with a a familiar tune, maybe some words you don't know, but it's simply a, a song of worship.
of all glory being to Christ, our King. And I think it'll be a fitting end to your year and a fitting beginning to the new year. So when you're ready, stand with us and we'll sing all glory be to Christ.